Welcome to Strictly JoJo, a podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, where every JoJo episode is reviewed by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. This is episode 13, and we're reviewing part two, Battle Tendency, JoJo versus the Ultimate Life Form. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened previously in JoJo, so you've been warned. So is it Ultimate Life Form, or is it Ultimate Being? Um, I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know the subtitles for each episode, they call him the ultimate being. But it's just weird that the title itself is the ultimate life form. I don't know if that's just oversight or if I'm just thinking into it too much. No, that's fair because you you think that they'd try to stay consistent. Because have they said ultimate life form up until this point, like in the actual show? I think they've mentioned like... At Santana or the Pillar Man as being like this ultimate being. But have they used the word life form though? Or have they always said the word being? I'm pretty sure they've only used being in the subtitles. Maybe there's a different team that handles the translation of titles versus the translation of, of subtitles. True. But before we jump into this episode, um, I kind of wanted to bring up something JoJo related uh, that I stumbled across this past week uh, i mentioned i think in either this podcast or the strictly anime podcast that i've been catching up on space dandy which is an anime that we had both started a long time ago and kind of just let it drop off but i was determined to finish it and i actually finished it over the weekend um who knows maybe i'll review it sometime <laughs> for anyone who <laughs> knows what space dandy is or is familiar with it um but I went on a just a random YouTube binge and I stumbled across. So I'm sure Courtney knows this, but there are memes of the JoJo openings themselves on YouTube where it's like the JoJo opening for part one, but there's a catch. Uh, so in my random YouTube rabbit hole binge, I found one that was related to Space Dandy where it's actually the opening for this JoJo part two but it's set to the opening for Space Dandy. And it just fits so well. And I thought it was hilarious how the the musical beats line up with the visuals that are popping up on screen. Like the verse ends right where the verse for the actual JoJo OP ends. And then the chorus kicks in like right where the actual JoJo OP chorus kicks in. So it just perfectly syncs up well. Um, so for anyone who's interested in seeing this video meme, uh, again, it's on YouTube. The title is Bloody Stream, but it's Viva Namida from Space Dandy. Um, or they combine the title, so it's Bloody Namida. <laughs> it does work really, really well. When you showed it to me, I was, I was very surprised. And it makes me wonder, how did someone figure this out? Like, did someone yeah, just <laughs> watch the Space Dandy opening and think, oh, this would fit great with JoJo? <laughs> Oh, it feels like people just throw in all of these different meme combos for these OPs and just see what works. And this one definitely works. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I guess now we can talk about the actual episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is one that I really like um, for this first arc. It's, to me, probably the best episode of this first arc of part two, just because it's funny it's intense um i don't just the whole thing is like a fun ride and it kind of nicely closes out this first arc and kind of sets us up for some interesting things moving forward yeah so i like i said in the previous episode 
that one was a transitional episode and here we have the main event which like you said it's a very action-packed episode i kind of like that it singularly focuses on this one fight between joseph and santana um you really don't see any other scenes pop up but it's like just going from one portion of the battle to another um Again, it showcases more of how mysterious Santana's abilities are and, of course, Joseph's unrefined use of Hamon and more of his unorthodox and goofy antics. And another thing that I picked up on, especially with this episode, that it seems to be like this running theme now with Jojo, it's this thing of former enemies that turn into friends that turn into lovers. <laughs> oh, wait, what? <laughs> okay, well, the last part. Much like, you know, Speedwagon in part one, when he has a change of heart and starts following Jonathan, and then, I guess, to an extent, Smokey with um, pickpocketing Joseph um, to eventually becoming one of his friends. You see that, too, with Stroheim, where he has a change of heart in allying with Joseph in this episode, although it's more so to just stop Santana. So it's not like they're technically friends, but again, it's it's continuing that theme of people siding with a Joe star. That's interesting. Yeah, I never really thought about that. And I think it's kind of interesting also how quickly these people turn from enemy to friend. Um, Especially because he's a Nazi. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> the most extreme of like enemies. Like I think about Speedwagon and it took all but one episode to for him to flip the script on Jonathan and then same with Smokey. Um, Stroheim, it's been what, two episodes technically? Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- that is a pretty quick transition because there's real no convincing that the jojo needs to do to bring those folks on on their side it's more like they the person is so impressed by the jojo themselves and their charisma and their kindness that they're like you know what fuck it we're getting on board with the jojo yeah so i guess when santana comments on joseph being unique um in this episode not only because of his powers but because of this like unspoken leadership quality that people see in him as well and i think that and his behavior i mean he acts fucking ridiculous the whole time and that's completely different than everyone else that santana has interacted with up until this point but let's go ahead and step into the main event with the synopsis for part two episode four jojo versus the ultimate life form it's a mano a mano matchup down in mexico as joseph who faces santana head on our Hamon hero starts off with a devastating attack of happy rapi ropikne and ends with a soul-crushing assault of I'm just here to save my uncle, yo. Santana, growing in intelligence and fed up with Josephu's antics, provokes him by prodding Speedwaifu's brain and wrapping him in his rib blades. But Josephu is able to somewhat fend off his maneuver with Hamon. Santana later knocks Josephu unconscious and begins to consume him like the prisoner in the previous episode. But it's a Joestar prank, bro. Josephu blasts the ultimate being from the inside with his hamon tearing his body in half. The drained Joestar tries dragging Santana's body to the exit in order to expose him to the sun, but this fearsome fucker just won't give up and traps Joseph with pieces of his flesh. Stroheim finally makes himself useful by trying to open the door himself like a gentle Nazi, but Santana stops him in his place as well. Stroheim forces Josephu to chop off his leg and finally opens the door, but Santana immediately stuffs himself inside the noble Nazi's body in order to hide in a nearby well. 
In a moment worthy of an overrated Call of Duty game, Stroheim prepares to end Hero with a steel hand granata to save the world from the wretched creature that wriggles within his body. But before he does so, he hits Joseph with a splatter of world-building info. Namely, that the Nazis found even more pillar men in Europe, that Joseph was destined to fight these monstrosities whether he likes it or not, and that one of Speedwaifu's contacts in Rome should be able to help in the fight. Stroheim explodes in a blaze of glory and, oh, looks like Santana survived and is still trying to hide in that well, but oh, Joseph uses the reflection of the high noon sun to get the ultimate life form literally stoned. Time to head to your, oh. And now on to our next segment of the show, Is That a Music Reference, where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music. But, oh, there are none in this episode. Although I feel like there was a missed opportunity with, I think, Santana's move was called Meat Invade with the little flesh parts. You could have called that Meatloaf. Oh, yeah, Meatloaf. Because <laughs> I think Meatloaf was still, I think it was popular in the 80s or early 80s. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah, missed opportunity there. And it is weird. I mean, it makes sense because we're not introduced to any new characters in this mm-hmm. episode. Um, but I think this is our one of our few that have had no music references. Any new ones anyway. Yeah, which is weird because, you know, you could have these little factoids about the attacks that each character does. Like those could have been references in themselves. Maybe they are and I'm just not catching the right ones. But yeah. Could have been Meatloaf, but we got Meat Invade. And now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown, where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. And that's all there is, because there's no memes in this one. Oh. I think like you could probably pull out a meme if you think really hard, but just going through this episode twice in preparation for our podcast, I didn't see any major memes. But I guess in place or in lieu of an actual meme, we'll just say... The, uh, the opening that we talked about at the beginning of this episode can be the meme for, <laughs> for episode 13. Unofficially. I will say that there are a couple JoJo poses in this episode. I don't know you don't count those as memes, but there are. There's well, some one. of them become memes, so. Yeah. Um, I think I ca- like when Santana wriggles through Stroheim's body, he strikes this weird pose. And I think before that, um, even Stroheim, when he goes to open the door he like leaps and bounds over all of these steps and then when he gets to the door he does this weird pose which i thought was funny i like yeah i think my favorite pose of the episode is when um you're right when stroheim wiggles his way into or no sorry when santana wiggles his way into stroheim's body and then he leaps out into the sun and it's like him like almost prancing and hugging his own body that's probably my favorite one of this episode that and um one of Joseph's poses, I think it's right after he shows that all of his fingers are still on his hand. Uh, yeah. And then he's kind of like standing there. It's like a shot of his back. I don't know. Something about that is kind of like an iconic pose to me. Um, but yeah, we'll just, we'll use those in place of memes. But as always, if we did miss any from this episode, please let us know because we want to make sure we acknowledge every single JoJo meme. So the big theme here throughout episode 13 is that Joseph is silly and goofy, and Stroheim and Speedwagon cannot fucking handle it. Mm-hmm. They are freaking out, one, about Santana, and then, two, about how Joseph's approaching Santana. Yeah, I mean, the very first movie does 
is he pokes Santana on the nose and tries to make like happy times with him. Yeah, like, like you've got Stroheim and Speedwagon literally screaming at Joseph, trying to warn him of how big of a threat Santana is. And what does he do? You're exactly right. He boops Santana on the nose <laughs> and tells boops. him that he's happy to be meeting him. Like if there was ever a scene to perfectly describe Joseph and his personality, I honestly think this is it. Mm-hmm. And I guess the one nice thing about this initial quote-unquote attack is that Joseph says he doesn't want to assume that Santana's the bad guy. But yeah, this is obviously a lot different from what you would expect Jonathan's first opening move to be. Yeah, and it's interesting that that Joseph takes that approach with Santana, that he, um, to your point, says, like, you know, I don't want to judge him too soon because he could actually be a really nice guy. And then Stroheim yells at him, like, are you fucking serious? Look at all <laughs> yeah. these dead guys all around us. All my soldiers are dead, um, which is great because then Joseph just barges up or charges up to him and says, you know, shut up. You <laughs> you reap what you sow. Like, he literally tells him mm-hmm. to shut up and that this is all his karma for, you know, trying to fuck with Santana and experiment on him. But part of me is kind of like... I don't know. Like it, it does seem a bit out. So it seems in character for Joseph to take that that unique view on Santana, but it also seems out of character for Joseph to be that um, that unguarded that mm-hmm. he would actually, you know, given the situation that he's in, would still try to give Santana the benefit of the doubt. I'm like that's kind of a dangerous move um, because you know he's dangerous. Yeah, especially since the cliffhanger of the last episode was Joseph plucking out uh, Stroheim's hair to defend against whatever Santana's attack was at that point. Um, I think the other part is, and I mentioned this in the synopsis, is Joseph is only there to save Speedwagon. So he doesn't even want to fuck around with Santana. Yeah. Um, So there, again, is that noble quality of him always taking care of his family and loved ones. I don't know if you just assumed since Santana is just wrecking all these Nazis, he thinks that is the good part of Santana. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just odd that he would treat such a powerful OP person um, with like just a chip as like a chip off the shoulder, basically. Yeah, and I think um, what's really kind of freaking out Speedwagon and Stroheim is that time is of the essence with Santana because they show us, um, they, they stress how quickly Santana gains intelligence by showing us that he can immediately master disassembling that gun that he picks up off the floor, um, a gun that he's never seen before. And then Stroheim comments that it takes soldiers hours of training to usually master that. So I think that's another thing too is like, the the stress levels are rising because Joseph isn't taking the, the situation seriously um, and they don't have time to spare with his his goofiness and his games. But mm-hmm. that is Joseph for you, right? Like even when he does realize a little bit later that Tantana is a real threat, he still has moments where he kind of plays things off or takes a, uh, a goofy approach um, to battling him. But he, in the end, it all it all is fine. <laughs> yeah. I guess another part of that is like he, when Santana like shifts through Joseph, because I think Santana is also done with Joseph's shit. All Joseph tries to do is trip him. And then you have that weird thing where Santana's foot like, like curls over. Turns around. Yeah. <laughs> um, so again, it's just, again, like you said, Joseph not treating the situation seriously. But once 
once he sees what Santana's capable of, that's where it kind of clicks in his head. Yeah, I think the turning point is when poor Speedwagon gets Santana's fingers sunken into his brain. Um, and he starts kind of screaming out to, to jo- Joseph about how horrible it is. And I don't know, I'm guessing he's in pain and whatnot. This is the moment when Joseph's attitude completely 180s mm-hmm. from goofy to serious. Because now Santana is messing with his uncle Speedwagon. And I love, love, love this part because, again, it's showing Joseph and how protective he is of his family. Um, But then that's short-lived when Joseph pretends that um, his hand was removed by Santana. (laughs) (laughs) Unreal. I think it's also interesting how Joseph um, thinks that Santana is immune to Hamon after a couple of failed attempts at like hitting him. But then it's Speedwagon who clearly knows more about Hamon from his time with Jonathan and with Zapelli um, that tells him it's actually protecting him from Santana. And so we, to your earlier point, this episode is all about showing us how inexperienced Joseph is with Hamon. He just knows he has this power and that mm-hmm. he got it from his grandfather, but no one's ever trained him before. Um, and so now he's starting to discover his abilities as well as his limitations with this power. Okay, that all makes sense because I thought it was interesting that Santana, there, this whole fight with Santana was demonstrating that this ultimate life form has a unique immunity to Hamon. But I can see now it's because um, Joseph is just so inexperienced with uh, his Hamon power that he needs to refine it to actually use it to its uh, to its fullest potential. Yeah, I think it's because that, that was confusing to me the first time I watched this episode. But I think what they're trying to describe is that like his Hamon, again, to your point, is so unrefined that it's only able to reach the point of protecting him from this ultimate life being, uh, life form, mm-hmm. <laughs> ultimate, I'm just going to combine them now, life being, um, but it's only able to protect him, but not actually allow him to go on the offensive. So I think they're insinuating that if he were to refine it more, then he could actually go beyond plus ultra and actually oh. attack <laughs> the enemy. You're mashing up too many shots. <laughs> um, but I think it's not to downplay, like Santana is obviously a significantly different um, enemy uh, that we've seen so far compared to Dio, because Dio was basically just this vampire um, undead being, but like Santana is, it almost seems like he's immortal. So, like, if we're, Joseph really wanted to defeat similar characters, like he really needs to put in the effort to to refine his humble. Yeah, and up until this point, he's only battled um, Straitzo. Yeah. So straight so I'm sure seems like nothing compared to Santana in this moment to Joseph. Mm-hmm. But as they get into kind of the the heavy part of this this one on one duel, um, Joseph for some reason grabs a dagger with his toes and then tosses it in the air and grabs it again with his toes and stabs Santana using only his foot. It's just like so gnarly to me (laughs) that he's doing this because I hate feet. (laughs) Mm. So I'm like, why? Why is this happening? And then he spins around and tries to impale Santana in the face with his foot. And then Santana does like a weird like squish and stretch with with his skull to avoid Joseph's foot. The whole thing was just very odd to me. Yeah. It's also weird that Santana has like this rubbery kind of skin. Um, 
And to kind of comment on that more, what was confusing about like Santana's powers is he has this absorbing ability, right? Where he is able to consume things and feed off of them by bringing them into his body, which is what he was trying to do with Joseph later. But then he has like this phasing ability too that we saw earlier in the episode um, when, again, he was tired of Joseph fucking around with him. Isn't it weird that he has these two abilities that are supposed to be similar, but they're like supposed to be kept apart. Well, by phasing, what do you what do you mean? Like he was able to phase through Joseph with his foot when he tried to trip him, or, or... earlier in the, before that when he kept saying like "Happy, whatever you are, be." Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, maybe he can pick and choose when his body starts to absorb another being. It's just because even Joseph says, "Oh, I find out like how." santana does it it's because his cells have this digestive fluid it's like the digestive fluid is still there when he's phasing right yeah <laughs> <laughs> again this could be one of those things where Araki forgot and we're just thinking too much into it but to that point when joseph is getting eaten by santana um i just feel so bad for speedwagon in this moment i mean i feel bad for speedwagon like the whole last like three or four episodes because he's in this straight jacket the whole time and he can't yeah, yeah, move in a wheelchair that's got to be so frustrating but speedwagon flips his shit when he sees um joseph being eaten and like falls out of the wheelchair because he's so worried and panicked about his nephew um but as it turns out, this is another one of Joseph's clever tricks to attack Santana with Hamon from the inside, which again is just Joseph thinking quick on his feet, learning very quickly, um, you know, within these battles um, so that he can overcome his enemy. And I did like, too, how I think at some point earlier on in this fight with Santana, he actually comments like, oh, Hamon's not working, but when I use this against Straight So, like, it worked. He said something where he compared this fight to his fight with Straight So and how he mm. used Hamon in a certain way, um, and it worked or maybe didn't work against Straight So, and then it's reacting differently with Santana. So it's, like, another example of how he's learning and discovering how his Hamon powers work against different enemies. I do really, really love how, um, and this isn't specific to, to Joseph, but how the Joestar bloodline up to this point um, is all about taking command of a situation. And no matter how intense a threat is, they always kind of keep their cool and can come out on top. So in this moment, we never see Joseph freeze up, even in the most intense situations of this episode. But we do see Stroheim completely freeze up after he sees Joseph kind of rip Santana apart after he's getting sucked into his body. Mm -hmm. And then Joseph takes command of the situation and yells at him to like pay attention, like look alive, dude, we're fighting an enemy right now. And even earlier when Joseph comments about how he's under a lot of pressure already, he still never lets that stop him from thinking on his feet, no pun intended, with him fighting with his toes <laughs> um, and being ready to kind of like battle his enemy. So I think this is very much like a Joestar thing. Like they just, it's their destiny, right? Like we've heard that many, many times. It's their destiny to be in these situations and something about being a Joestar just makes you prepared for that, whether or not you actually are. Man, I think that kind of leads into one of the biggest moments of this episode, which is Stroheim's change of heart, or I call it like his big character moment, um, which is signaled by, they use that choir chant whenever they talk, re reference like the Nazis. Yeah. Um, because I think him seeing that Joseph's taking command of the situation and doing his best to 
take out Santana, kind of galvanizes him to also step up in the fight since this is basically all his fault. And I guess he's trying to tone by helping to resolve it. Yeah, he's probably embarrassed by his um, freeze up earlier. But yeah, I love that that he finally does get his shit together and, and helps Joseph. Um, and he's even brave enough to have Joseph chop off his leg. He says that mm. I, you know, as a proud German soldier, I would rather, you know, give up. He says in the translation, it's I would rather give up a few legs. And I'm like, well, you only have two. <laughs> How many other legs are you hiding? Well, it, he didn't say his legs specifically. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, well, was it, I, pro- I would probably give a few legs for the sake of the fatherland. Whether or not those are his legs, it's, <laughs> it's up for debate. Um, but yeah, you, you, it's really hard for Joseph to stomach having to do that. But Stroheim's adamant about having him chop off his legs that he can open that door and save all of humanity and more importantly, everyone in the fatherland. Um, but that does make me think, why couldn't Joseph try killing off those parts of Santana that were attached to Stroheim's leg using Hamon instead? Like, couldn't there have been, like, one attempt at using Hamon? Like, that should be the first thought, right? Like, fry these bad boys off with your Hamon, and then if that doesn't work, chop my leg off. I think that harkens back to, I think Spiegelwagen mentions this, that he notices that Joseph is, like, he's exhausted and running out of breath. Because I'm sure him blasting the inside of Santana with Hamon took a lot out of him. Oh, that's right. Yeah, as he's climbing up the stairs, like yeah. Speedwagon screaming at him to use your Hamon breathing. Mm-hmm. And Joseph's like, dude, I can't. I'm right. so tired again, right he, now. And Joseph is, again, just very inexperienced. So I think he couldn't have taken those flesh pieces off of himself or Stroheim. And kind of to make a quick comment on that, don't you think it's kind of weird that the narrator interjected to explain the meat invade ability. Yeah, because we haven't really gotten a lot of these like moments. So, okay, when we have gotten these moments where the narrator explains a, a, a move or a, an ability, it's almost like they he's describing it about an enemy that's like a throwaway enemy. I don't know, mm. like throwaway is maybe not a good word, but I think back to straight so in the beginning of part two when he gets blown up he's butt naked and he's running around new york and he like jumps up in the air and then suddenly the narrator cuts in and he's like jump height blah 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 meters yeah. and then he like grips onto the side of the building and the narrator is like grip power this many pounds of pressure or whatever and i'm like why yeah, it's like, <laughs> what is this yeah it, he comments on very inconsequential statistics or abilities and to make another My Hero reference, it's almost like when present Mike interjects and announces a character's quirks. Oh, it just kind of ruins the flow of the story for him to just have this random factoid. Yeah. And it just, again, it just seems useless because Straight So died like very quickly or in the same episode. Mm-hmm. And then here um, we see Santana die in the same episode as he's introducing this character building, you know, information. Yeah. And Joseph is great in this moment on the staircase when he's chopping off Stroheim's leg um, because he acknowledges Stroheim's true bravery um, and even acknowledges that although they have different beliefs, he still respects him for what he's doing in this moment to to save others. And this is just the Joestar kindness. This is the kindness in in, in Jonathan, I think, that's been passed on to, to Joseph. One of the few things yeah. passed on. Yeah, people comment all the time about how Joseph is very different than his grandfather, but he's not completely different. <laughs> so for him to acknowledge 
again, in this this very intense, very scary moment, um, what Stroheim is doing, and also given the fact that he's a Nazi, I think is is very telling of of Joseph. Like he can see the bigger picture. Like we need to work together to kill this motherfucker, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's all that's important in this moment. Yeah, it's a very wholesome lesson. Again, even though it's your your differing beliefs with a, a Nazi. But to Stroheim's credit, or rather his voice actor, we get yet another insane voice acting performance um, from Stroheim's VA where he's shrieking. I mean, the whole Mm -hmm. thing is awesome. Like he is shrieking as Santana's crawling into his leg and then he's yelling at Joseph the entire time he's trying to explain like his destiny and all this this information dump that he does to Joseph in his final moments. Like, oh my God, talk about a crazy voice acting moment where I'm sure that voice actor walked away with like torn up vocal cords. Yeah, I always love when you hear his voice slightly crack. It just makes it makes it funnier, but it, again, it also adds to um, how well this voice actor. You know, what? we should just look up his name. I feel like we need to give him <laughs> credit by actually mentioning his name. It's Atsushi Imaruoka, um, who voices or is the Japanese voice actor for Stroheim. Um, but yeah, he just does Stroheim so well. And I like Stroheim, I think, is starting to become one of my more f- like favorite characters of this part, almost solely on how he delivers his voice. It's a perfect match because he's a crazy German soldier and he has a voice that really enhances that. But yeah, I mean, props to, the, props to his voice actor for um, constantly having a great performance for Stroheim. One question I did have when we see... Santana wriggle into Stroheim's wounded leg. Um, we saw, we obviously saw Santana use this before on one of the German soldiers. But how powerful is Stroheim to be able to withstand his own possession by Santana? That's a good question because it took like little to no effort for that one soldier to be completely possessed, and then like it all bloated and all this stuff. Um, but then Stroheim is like fighting back and like has plenty of time to have a full on conversation yeah. with, uh, with Joseph. And I just chalk it up to the fact that Santana, German might. well, yeah, that his German willpower, but then also that Santana is probably being very, very careful not to like prematurely break out of Stroheim and get mm. cooked by the sun. That's my, my logic here. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Another question though I had with Stroheim is, like, how did he have all of this information? Like, I'm sure he, most of it was just in, maybe interrogated out of Speedwagon. And so they had Stroheim deliver this story-wise because Speedwagon is still stuck in the facility. <laughs> He's in his straitjacket on the ground. He can't move. Yeah, but it was just weird, when, especially when he says to Joseph, it is your destiny to hear this, which, again, destiny is another theme that comes up now in JoJo. But to hear it come from this this character that Jojo barely knows was odd. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I mean, in his final, in Stroheim's final moments, he's got this huge information dump on Joseph. And clearly Joseph's confused because he's like, hang on a second. I need more time. Like, what is going on? Um, and yeah, I think the, it, so it would have made more sense or been a little more understandable if um, Stroheim didn't drop the destiny piece of it. Because I think he did get all of his information from Speedwagon when he was using that truth serum on him. Mm. So I think in an earlier episode, he comments to Speedwagon, like, we have all the information that we need from you. Um, so I think that's how he came about all of that. But for him to actually call it 
Joseph's destiny. Like, unless Speedwagon came out and said that as he was under the truth serum, just knowing everything with, like, Jonathan and, and the mask and everything and the Joestar lineage. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why Stroheim would have said that. It would have probably made more sense for the, him not to drop that destiny piece of it and just say, here's what I learned from Speedwagon during our interrogation. Take this information and save the world. Mm-hmm. After Stroheim and Heroes using that grenade, we see Joseph get teary-eyed for Stroheim. Like, he's frustrated because he wants more information from Stroheim because clearly everything that he just heard is very, very confusing. Um, But he also says, like, he comments on, again, like, his bravery and says, like, Stroheim, you know, how how could you leave or whatever? He he basically is um, mourning his his death in that moment. And again, this is very much a Joestar thing. This is a... Uh, a trait that has been passed on to Joseph from Jonathan because Jonathan would always see the good in every enemy, try to save them, try to do something to help them. Mm-hmm. So while Joseph didn't necessarily try to do something to help Stroheim, he is very sad to see, you know, someone who's brave like Stroheim and Hero and explode. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird because you're kind of sad over the death of a Nazi at this point. <laughs> Well, I think he, he's, as you said earlier, he's commenting that, you know, beliefs aside, mm-hmm. in this moment, what he's doing is brave. No, yeah, that Stroheim is of good character, despite the shit that he believes in. Yeah, but I'm sure, you know, if Stroheim were to survive, and then, like, Joseph chats with him after this is all done, <laughs> he'll probably kind of, you know, have some pause as to um, his relationship with the Nazi. But mm-hmm. I don't know. That's that's the Joe star again. And him is, you know, trying to, to see the best in people. And in the final moments for Santana, we get another free fall, another infinite free fall. Santana oh, yeah. jumps in the well after Joseph. And then they have a full on conversation about the sun and about you know, trying to to kill Santana. And it's just like, how deep is this well? Just like the tower from part one, when Jonathan mm. and Dio are fighting in this like blazing tower for what feels like six minutes. And yet this they're still falling. They're still falling. And we never really see the, bot- the bottom of the tower. I guess we do when, when Dio gets um, impaled gets by that impaled, statue. Yeah. But man, that was like the tallest tower in existence yeah this is the deepest well in existence apparently it's almost like (laughs) falling for an eternity yeah it's almost like poetry where this kind of rhymes with this odd part in in part one another thing is like joseph stops his fall with the walls of the well using his feet but like you know he's still being dragged downwards like man you must have like a very bad rash on the bottom of your feet well that and we don't see him put his hands out on the opposite end of the well to try and like give him that that the ability to brace as he's falling mm-hmm. so he's literally just okay so this is like jojo physics right jojo logic it's like an eternity fall down this well and he uses hamon breathing right i think he inhales and then he uses his feet to stop himself but we mm-hmm. never see the hamon like I don't know what you call them, like the yellow, like... Like fuse through his body. Yeah, whatever. we never see kind of like the, I don't know, the electricity of Hamon go through him. And he can just stop himself and Santana from falling and hitting the water using his feet on one side of the well, but nothing else to brace himself. So it's almost like he's using like magnets in his feet to connect him yeah. to the wall. I don't know, just trying <laughs> to like like think through this logic is, is very painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... The one thing I love about this ending is Joseph says his signature line where it's now you'll say 
And then he says, now you'll say, have you realized it yet, primitive? And then Santana repeats this and has that like, oh, moment right after. Yeah. Because it shows again that Joseph is in control of the situation, despite the weird logic that's going on in this scene. It's very telling. Like him using the, um, and now you'll say, line is like, he is confident he's going to win or that at least he has, you know, a huge advantage. So when he says something like that, you know, it's about to be good. Mm -hmm. And now that we've reached the conclusion of Joseph's second major battle of part two, let's go ahead into our final thoughts. So what did you think of part two, episode four, Jojo versus the ultimate life form? As I said in the beginning, I really, really love this episode for this first arc in part two. It's not the best episode. It's probably not my favorite episode of part two. But again, I think it's the the highlight and the closing of this first arc. And it's kind of interesting that we're only, what, four episodes into part two? Mm -hmm. And Joseph's already had two major villains that he's not only battled, but also defeated. (laughs) So um, he's got a, a really strong resume he's building already. But um, I think that this episode shows us that while he is able to defeat these enemies and defeat them quickly, he still has a long way to go with Hamon. But how about you? What did you think? Yeah, for this being the fourth episode for part two, I think it's a great action-oriented episode. And kind of thinking on it high level, I think what makes part two's action sequences so interesting so far is that it doesn't always present these straightforward resolutions to fight scenarios case in point is like would you have ever expected yourself to root for a nazi to win a fight um i mean this is kind of obvious because santana is such a unique opponent compared to like dio or even bruford or tarkas Um, and as such it kind of puts joseph's ingenuity and street smarts on full display um, as well as, again, his goofy non-sequiturs like the, the game of tag he played at the very beginning of the episode or his disappearing fist. Um, but it's like a, it's, it feels like a definite change in pace from fights or battles we've seen in part one, which I guess in a way are kind of reflective of these two Jojo characters' respective eras. Whereas like Jonathan, you know, he has these noble and virtuous duels with Dio or they recite these Shakespearean lines against each other. And then you have someone like Joseph who's like, I'm going to stick myself inside this man and blow him up from the inside. (laughs) It's like, obviously there's a huge difference there, but I am kind of eager to see more of these like out of whack battle sequences that sort of up the ante when it comes to combat and action. And there is one in particular in this part, this one particular battle sequence that I'm very excited to see when it comes up, and I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. But I'm not going to spoil anything um, past that point. But yeah, going back to this episode, overall, it's a solid action episode with great unexpected twists and turns. And I do want to comment really quick about your comparison of Jonathan and Joseph's ways of fighting and their approaches to their enemies. This goes back to how we described in our kind of transition between part one and part two that part two is really when people get hooked on Jojo. Um, As we said before, part one is still incredibly important to the story because it's the foundation um, and it's it's not a bad part, but Mm -hmm. comparatively across all of the parts, it is the weakest one and it's probably the one that has 
that's called favorite by the least amount of people. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just because there's so much more humor, there's so much more lightheartedness without losing any of the action or the intensity, um, you know, throughout part two than we get in in part one. So I think that Joseph is is really kind of a a major selling point for a lot of people to become hooked on on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure as a whole. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, next week we'll be going back to Europe. So we'll see how different this trip is compared to when we were with Jonathan in England. I am so excited for the next episode because, again, without spoiling anything, this is kind of where the core story of part two finally begins. Um, again, the last couple episodes move very quickly. They're more kind of setting us up for something bigger and kind of painting, you know, that, that full picture of what's going on in Battle Tendency. But yeah, the next episode is going to be, I think, where things really start to move in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And that wraps up episode 13 of Strictly JoJo. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every other Monday. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly series and on Twitter at Strictly series and connect with us there or on our website, thestrictlyseries.com to share your thoughts on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. You'll also find more info on Strictly Anime, our other podcasts for anime reviews and discussions. Thank you so much for listening and sharing our love of JoJo. Stay weeb, everyone. To be continued.